Support for Innovation Hub comes from Mimecast. Nearly 30,000 companies worldwide use Mimecast to help prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, phishing, and impersonation attacks. Mimecast, committed to making email safer for business. Mimecast.com. We're talking today about people and groups who have tried to build a more perfect world, sometimes with impressive results, sometimes not. There are few communities as committed to a way of life as the Amish, a way of life that they believe gets them close to God. And they've long been fascinating to us precisely because of that commitment. Donald Craybill is an expert on the Amish, and he argues that their rejection of technology in a world where screens are always in your face all the time, that actually hasn't been a drawback. It's only made them more successful and amazingly more creative. Craybill is a professor emeritus at Elizabethtown College in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and he's the author of The Amish, among other books. Donald, thanks for being here. My pleasure. So here's just a very, very basic question uh, right off the bat. Why do the Amish live so differently than, than most of us do? I mean, what are they trying to achieve? Well, they are fundamentally a religious community. Their roots go back to the time of the Protestant Reformation in 16th century Europe. And one of their fundamental teachings in their religious uh, belief is that the church should maintain separation from the world. So a lot of their peculiar practices, particularly related to technology and so on, is an attempt to apply that principle to everyday life of how they can maintain separation from the larger culture and the larger world. Hmm. Uh, what, what are their limits in terms of technology? So Amish church members are not permitted to own an automobile or to have a driver's license. And so as a sociologist, I would argue that the fundamental purpose of that, the way it works, is to keep the community together. They fear that having an automobile will fragment their community. People will drive off to jobs. Hmm. And if by using horse transportation, it tethers them to the local community. Now, one of the important things to understand about their technology is that they frequently negotiate with modernity. Hmm. So they do workarounds, and um, they're in a sense, they're hacking. And so with the automobile, for example, many business people hire an employee, an outside non-Amish employee who provides a vehicle and provide, and serves as a driver for the business. So what about newer technology? Like do the Amish have websites? Do they have smartphones? Uh, do they surf the Internet? I mean we've certainly seen in the last 10, 20 years – a surge in the tech that's around us um, and that has changed how most of us live, does it change how the Amish live? Um, let me give you an example of technology that I found very interesting. Uh, I had been reading about 3D printers for a number of years, and two years ago, I took my students on a field trip and saw one for the first time. Guess where it was? It was in an Amish lantern shop. Whoa. What he was doing is... Recently, the Amish church in eastern Pennsylvania in Lancaster County has permitted people to use LED lights. Mm. And so they are using now LED lights in their home instead of electricity off a line, but operating them from batteries. So this young man was using these uh, – he had created programs to operate these 3D printers 
to manufacture a coupling that fit between the batteries and the LED lights. And it was a niche market within the Amish community. Hmm. And he was running these 3D printers off of batteries, okay? So uh, he, said, <laughs> um, we, he said, we run these uh, 624. No, he said, we don't run them on Sunday. But he's right. running them 24 hours a day the other like six days of the week. Like 24-7, but 624, right. right. Exactly. What I find fascinating here is this paradox, a fascinating paradox that you have a culture of restraint that breeds a culture of innovation. And so in many cases, the Amish are hacking. They're trying to work around the system, doing all kinds of workarounds. And these restraints really spur innovation, spur imagination, spur creativity in a fascinating way. You know, I think many of us think of the Amish as living on the land, as having barn raisings and running farms. But, you know, to the point that you were just making, there's many, many Amish uh, who run businesses and remarkably successful businesses at that. Exactly. Let me talk just a little bit about that because I find it uh, in some ways the most fascinating part of Amish culture. Across the country, about two-thirds of Amish households would get their primary income off of the farm. Um, And remember now, these are people educated at the eighth grade. Um, They have not gone to high school. They don't have technical training. They have restrictions on using – that they can't use electricity off of the public line, restrictions on not using um, uh, automobiles and so on. And so what they have done is created a mini industrial revolution in the last 25 years that has uh, spawned a whole host of small uh, Amish uh, businesses that are extremely successful. And uh, they had to find, figure out ways to operate these businesses without electricity off the line. So, right, right. And so that is how they developed the power and the energy uh, to operate these, these businesses. I'm Kara Miller. You're listening to Innovation Hub, and I'm talking with Professor Donald Craybill about innovation in Amish communities. Um, you've actually written about a guy who had started a food business and was doing close to a couple million dollars in sales, no cell phone, no email address. Right. How is that possible? Well, well, part of it is the the Amish branding is a gift to young entrepreneurs. So um, I have a friend, that, Amish friend that runs a deli shop, okay? Uh, the the products that he is selling, cheeses, bologna, all kinds of salads and so on in this, in this deli, uh, none of that is Amish made. Mm. Uh, he buys it from other uh, distributors. But his family is there, the children are there, and they're at the counter selling this product. And so it's viewed as an Amish deli shop. <laughs> right. And the only Amishness in it is that an Amish person has touched a product, uh, you know, <laughs> before it's being sold. And that branding is powerful because, again, it's evocative of uh, feelings that we have about homemade, early Americana, something that's well cared for. Um, 
And the, the, the young entrepreneur, uh, whether they're manufacturing farming equipment or uh, doing construction or furniture or running a deli shop, they benefit from that brand. Yeah, it becomes you become more desirable when you're hard to get at, which is actually not something that is really that surprising to any of us in our lives. But it, it, they're like the business version of the... The elusive person, right? Exactly. Precisely. Think about this for a moment. Um, Here you have young people who've gone to uh, eighth through eighth grades. Some of them have had just one teacher, 30 students in a classroom, and the message in that schoolroom is technology is not important. They don't have calculators. They don't have scientific laboratories for chemistry. Uh, They basically – there's no technology in that classroom except for a battery-operated clock and some kind of a stove. Um, These young persons, men and women, about a quarter of the Amish businesses are owned and operated by women. um, How do they become successful entrepreneurs? They haven't gone to the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania or Harvard Business School. They don't have a college degree in human resource management, nothing like that. Well, and beyond that, I would say by eighth grade, certainly by 12th grade, most people expect that their kids have a real mastery of technology. Certainly, if they started their own business, there's a lot of things they could do to help themselves. Um, But, you know, here you've got a bunch of people coming out of the eighth grade who have no real sense of the technological landscape that we're in right now. And yet, the failure rate for Amish businesses is under 5%, whereas the failure rate for businesses nationwide is about 50%. And the secret to their success, the secret, I would argue, is in a single word, and that is the word apprenticeship. So when they come out of eighth grade, even while they're still in eighth grade, they're working for their uncle or their aunt helping them. And they're growing up inside the business. I see uh, young children running a cash register when they're seven or eight years of age, and they do it successfully. They're learning those skills at an early age, and then by the time they're 20, they're earning significant income. They have no college debt. They've learned the skills of that profession, and they're all set basically in terms of a career track for the rest of their life. So I I know in the last couple of decades, the number of Amish have more than doubled. I think that's right. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, about every 20 years, the population doubles. How hard is it to sort of try to keep this idealized community intact that you're really working hard on that has a set of values when that community is very different from the world around it and the community itself keeps getting bigger and and there's you know more parts of it. Well, I think one of the threats to the Amish community is technology. Many of the young people have smartphones before they become church members when they're typically 18 to 22. Huh. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to give those smartphones up. But they have and to they have to give it up to become part of the church. They're supposed to. Okay. But a smartphone is different than a television. The Amish have had historically always a sharp, strong taboo against television. I see. And television's a big item. It sits, you know, in a room somewhere. Some would maybe hide it out in the barn in a closet somewhere. But a smartphone you can put in your pocket. Yeah. And I said at the beginning that one of their religious principles is separation from the world. 
Well, in the past, in Lancaster, if you wanted to really see the world, you went to Philadelphia or Washington or New York City. Right. Well, now every Amish young person can carry a smartphone in their pocket right. out in a cornfield and have all of the world at their fingertips. So I think that's a really major threat to their long-term viability. I think it's not easy to control that kind of technology in the way that you're able to control owning an automobile or having a television set, which is such a large public piece of equipment. Have you heard um, Amish people express that concern to you? Yes, very much. I think part of it is the technology changes so much and young people, 18 to 20-year-olds are learning it. They have Facebook pages Hmm. and the older leaders and oftentimes parents don't understand or don't really know what the kids have access right. to. And that really inverts the traditional way in which a traditional society like Amish operated where the wisdom was always in the hands of the elders and your grandparents would teach the grandchildren how to do things. And now that whole thing is flipped upside down with younger people getting uh, a lot of access to technology, particularly in terms of smartphones or small handheld devices where they can easily be hidden right. and it's hard to really control them or to actually know for the elders to know really what's going on or what they have access to. Right. Donald Craybill is the author of The Amish, among other books. He's also a professor emeritus at Elizabethtown College in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Donald, thank you so much. This is great. My pleasure. Donald Craybill is part of an American Experience documentary looking at how the Amish live. We've got a clip from it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash innovation hub radio. 